I think that's going to be the matchup to watch in this game. I think you have to find a way. Stop Devontae Adams. That's what I want to see. We got to get these young guys up to speed right now on this roster. These rookies aren't rookies anymore. You belong here. I, I like you belong here, and, and let's build on this and, and keep going forward. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Cy Amundsen. We are back from the bye, heading into week eight. This is episode 65. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Corso and Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. But this week, I am also joined by Gabe Henderson from Vikings.com, who is currently sitting. We, we, we record over a Zoom room and Gabe is sitting in his office right now, and the TV in the background is playing the San Antonio Spurs, Miami Heat, NBA Finals, the game, the headband game, right? Is this the game where Ray Allen hit the corner three? No, this is game three. So that was game, that was 2013 game six. This is 24. This is just irrelevant. I just like watching basketball, like old what basketball. What a dumb flicks. thing to watch. Here I thought you were watching something that actually mattered and you're just watching a mid-series NBA finals game from nine years ago or whatever it is. LeBron, LeBron lost, so that matters. Great. Really, really dynamite there. Let's, let's jump in to everything. Let's move out of basketball into football. Um, the Minnesota Vikings traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Baltimore Ravens uh, last week, getting a third-round pick and a conditional pick in return after giving up a second-round pick and a conditional pick to the Jaguars originally. Uh, an interesting short run for Ngakwe, guys. Six games, five sacks, seven QB hits, a couple of forced fumbles. I think, Chris, we understand why this trade had to happen. Uh, you know, he was looking for a long-term deal. He was looking to be somewhere else. We know why this trade had to happen. But I, I still can understand the disappointment coming from the fans to see this guy come and go so quickly and to lose some draft position in the process. Yeah, of course it's a little upsetting for Vikings fans. You're 1-5 and five on the season. You're heading into a ton of big division games, and you see this guy start to really grow in the Vikings defense. But things to keep in mind are he's gone next year, most likely. Um, I was listening in to X's and O's with Paul Allen and Mike Zimmer this week, and, and Mike Zimmer said we had a pretty good feeling that he was going to be gone next year. Obviously, the contract extension, he's going to – require some big money in the offseason. Um, and the other thing that co head coach Mike Zimmer said is he likes the way some of these young guys are progressing. So you're 1-5, you got a bunch of big games coming up. Why not give the DJ Wanams of the world, the Afadio Denbos of the world, uh, the, the chance to shine and grow? Uh, there's been a ton DJ Wanam has learned just learning the technique from Andre Patterson. So I'd like to see what he can do going forward. And Jay, you and I talked right after the trade happened because both of our phones got absolutely blown up by people asking us what was happening. And you made a great point, you know, for, for everybody out there who is frustrated, like, well, if, you, if he was going to be gone, why did you go after him in the first place? I, you know, I think the truth is 
everybody thought this was going to be a team that was not one and five. Everybody thought, you know, we didn't see Michael Pierce opting out. You for sure didn't see the Anthony Barr injury happening. So I think you have to remember the situation when the trade was made versus the reality of where we're at now. That's the thing, like, you know, in, in the exchange when you and I were talking about that too, the big point that I tried to make was, one of the things that the fans love about at least our front office at this point is that they're willing to go for it. Right. And like, I don't think anybody thought that this was going to be a season long thing for Daniil Hunter. We found out today that he had a successful surgery with his neck, but he's out for the season. And I think if, if you weren't one in five, I don't think you'd be making this move. If you had eked out those two one point wins against Tennessee or, or Seattle and you're sitting at a three and three, I think there's a chance they would still try and ride with him. But if it looks like we are going to be plugging in a lot more of our younger players at this point, there's been so many uh, injuries and, and and then the opt out as well with Michael Pierce, like across the board, it just, it there's reading the tea leaves at this point and saying the chances of being able to make some sort of a playoff run right now are super low. And I think they just read the writing on the wall and said, listen, let's, let's be honest about where we're currently at. And, and I think that as a fan, you should be excited that they try to go for it. But at the same point, they've got their feet planted in cement for reality of where we're at. So hopefully, uh, you know, this isn't seen as a black eye. It should see, be seen as they, they went for it, read the writing on the wall, and they've pivoted trying to deal with what reality is. Well, and current public speculation has the salary cap possibly going down next year, which makes things uh, even tighter in 2021. And Gabe, I think we were all excited about Ngakwe, but when you start looking at making difficult decisions in an offseason, is he the top of your priority list? This is a guy who is going to get one of the top defensive player in the league style contracts coming this offseason. Is, is that where you would have wanted your priorities to go versus a lot of other places on this team? So, so when you realize the situation we're in, getting a return becomes more important given that reality. For sure. And we didn't lose much. We only dropped down one. We got a third round pick in return. We traded a second round pick to Jacksonville. But speaking of unique, you think about their future. Of course, Mike Zimmer said short term. We're thinking about our short term goals. But at the same time, you look at your long term goals. So with unique, he's in the short term, but he doesn't fit in the long term plan. And if you want to save money, here's a guy that you don't really have to mold into being your perennial defensive end with other guys being injured and other guys not playing this year. So Yannick is definitely at the top of the list of a guy that you, you want to see him flourish somewhere else and not eat up that amount of money, um, having him on the roster for the full season, which we know might not be what Vikings fans are expecting. You know, and I'll, you know, I'm going to play a little bit of the fan here, which is the only thing I'm capable of on this show. I will say it's it's not just a drop from two to three. Any Anyone who's listening to this show is going to say, Hey, man, you gave up an early second to drop to a late third because of how, how good the Baltimore Ravens are. And I think you have to acknowledge that. I think the trade-off for me is, and what I've often said on this show, uh, echoing Jay's sentiment, I like that we went for it. I like that we believe this team is supposed to be that good. I think it sucks that it turned out that way as a fan. I'm frustrated. I'm bummed. But I'm going to take that trade-off all the time. I, I'm going to take the trade-off of thinking that this is a contending football team and having it not go that way and having to eat a little draft capital. 
I like that that's where the front office's mindset is. And, and I'll, I'll use that to walk into a, a larger talking point. Everybody and their entire family is writing pieces about the Vikings tearing things down. You know, tank for Trevor, sell everything off, ship off this veteran, ship off that veteran, ship off this veteran. As a Viking fan, first and foremost, I, I understand that sentiment, but let me push back on it this way for anybody who's listening. This is not the sort of organization that needs to sell everything off. You know, I think a couple of the blueprints out there that I've seen that, that people discuss are what's happened in Miami and a few years ago what happened in San Francisco, right? And, and there is a case to be made that you don't want to wind up in no man's land. I understand that. But the truth is the NFL is not like the NBA. You can go from the bottom of your division to a championship game real, real quick in this league. And the, the organizations that you tend to see tear everything all the way to the ground generally have one thing in common, and it is a lack of stability in their ownership and front office and coaching staff. They seem to cycle through those things. When you look at some of the good teams, some of the good organizations in this league that have perennial success, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, at this point, the Kansas City Chiefs, they tend to rebuild on the fly and they might have down years. We've seen that with Pittsburgh. We've seen that with Baltimore. But they have strong ownership, strong management, and, and strong coaching. And they don't need to take everything from where they're at down to zero to start building things back up again. And I know a lot of those examples, the Patriots, the, the, the Steelers, have franchise-level quarterbacks, but the Baltimore Ravens don't. They're the perfect example. They have gone from Trent Dilfer to Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, and they've had years where they've ran near 8-8 eight and eight or worse and years where they've ran near a championship team contending for a Super Bowl. So I understand the desire to burn this thing to the ground from a fan standpoint. I would emphasize that you have a great group of core youngsters. Jefferson, the cornerbacks. Corso just mentioned DJ Wanham. You have the, Eric Wilson is playing incredible. You have this core group of young guys, and it's important to have a core group of veterans, the Kendricks, the Bars, the Harrison Smiths, you know, the Daniil Hunters, these guys to support those guys as they grow. And if you go and you have one good offseason, you have one good draft, you make one good move, you have Ezra Cleveland develop, one or two things happen here, and you can flip from one place to the other really, really, really quickly. So I didn't mean to get off on a crazy TED Talk here, but I've just been sitting and watching that story get written and tweeted over and over and over. And Chris, I get it, but at the same time, I think there's too much good here to approach it that way. And that, that's a lot, I think, what Mike Zimmer was saying in the press conference. Like, yeah, this organization always has its eye on the future, but we're not just going to throw everything to the wind and, and kick our shoes off and, and, and wait for 2021. It's a tough thing this year. I mean, you mentioned it already. You lose to Neil Hunter the first week of the season. It's, it's a tweak, and then week goes, then another week goes, another week goes, and, and now he's getting season-ending neck surgery. So 
I mean, that's the cornerstone of your defense. Anthony Barr goes down a few weeks later. I mean, it's all the faces that have been here. I've been here five years. Every single year, I was telling Gabe this today, we've been competitive every single year. We've been one or two games, but we've never gone three games below 500 in in my career here um, since 2015. That changed pretty early this season, and I think the injuries, not to use them as an excuse, every team goes through them, but you lose Dalvin Cook last week for a week, and the the offense crumbles. Um, It's been a tough year, and I, I heard this stat from from uh, Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, on his radio show, 9 to noon this morning. He said that in the first four seasons of Zimmer's career with the Vikings, there were only like 600 rookie snaps at the cornerback position combined. This year, there's been over 400 through the first six games. That means we're on pace to double that this season. And I think that's the area where, where we've been burned this year. The injuries at corner and not having that veteran presence, the Terrence Newmans, the Xavier Rhodes, the the Trey Waynes, I think that's a position where we're just going to have to develop and it's going to be trial by fire. But that, And that's what, that's what I'm kind of leaning into. That's, that's what I'm okay with. I want to see what Ezra Cleveland can do. Yeah. I want to know where we stand with him. I want to know where we stand with DJ Wanham. I want to know where we stand with the young corners, Jay, going into this offseason. Yeah, and I think part of that speaks to the larger point. If if we are going to be one in five, if we are looking at very very distant chance of of doing pl- any kind of playoffs, let alone you know winning to that point, I think to be honest with you, it's like the rest of this ten weeks is very much a, a trial by fire evaluation mode, and it's hard for a lot of times for if you have established veterans on these all these positions and you just see them behind the scenes or they're on practice squad. You kind of say, yeah, they flash in practice, but what happens when they get in the big game? We're going to have the big game for this season for the next 10 weeks for these guys to be able to work out the kinks. And and I just think that if you are a coach or a GM and you have a season that is not what you thought it was going to be and you are eventually going to be looking towards the future, you want to know what you have. So hopefully for these next 10 weeks, these guys get some serious run and they have some tape to tell you exactly what these guys are and what you can work with for the future. And if they don't feel like they're going to work out, then hopefully you can find people to supplant them then come again in 2021. And, you know, as much as it sucked to move for a second round pick into a third round pick, Gabe, we are still running with 11 draft picks. You have five of them acquired, you know, one, a third rounder from the Ravens, two fourth rounders, one from the bears, one from the bills and the digs trade. And then, uh, three fifth rounders with an extra one from the Ravens and an extra one from the Steelers. So you currently have 11 picks going into next year's draft, which especially if you're in, your, you're in a tight salary cap situation, that's a, that's a big deal. And if you can turn around another one of these, I mean, look at what we're talking about right now. We have, with Ezra Cleveland now starting, we have five guys between Cleveland, Jefferson, Wanham, and both of our cornerbacks. You know, we have five guys playing pretty serious roles on this football team as rookies, uh, and, and you'll have a chance to add a lot more talent with that many picks. Having all those picks are, are like Corso said, it's going to be trial by fire for those guys next year also. But the good thing is you have these rookies getting that experience. Experience is the best teacher. So these guys getting experience week in and week out, they're going to be better 
for for next year. And let's say, you know, the, the Vikings do make more trades at the trade deadline. I think the GM and the, and the people at the top, they have to be very strategic with who they trade or who they're putting on the on the market because certain players that are we hear we see all these tweets about, "Hey, this guy might get traded." A lot of that affects team morale. And if you want to keep the team morale in place while building up these young guys that are already on the roster, you have to keep some of that veteran meat there to help the guys that are trying to come along because I would like to see what Rick Spielman does with these 11 picks. Last year we had 15. We know he's a a genius when it comes to drafting some of these guys in the later round. So it'll be very interesting to see how everything shapes up. But at the same time, you have to understand we got to get these young guys up to speed right now on this roster, and we got to get those guys ready to play against the Green Bay Packers. I talked to Fadio Denebo today, and he said, these rookies aren't rookies anymore. It's week eight right now, and they have to get ready. They have to, The mindset now is to get those guys going. They have to, you know, get the, the bright lights out of their eyes and, hey, you know, I'm in the NFL now. You belong here. I like you belong here, and, and let's build on this and, and keep going forward. Back for the 2020 season is Pass or Play, a free-to-play fantasy-style game. Build your weekly lineup via digital trading cards that are randomly given to you. Users can elect to keep the first card sent to them and insert that player into their lineup or pass and move on to the next card. If a user chooses to pass on all three cards, they can come back the next day for one new card. Fans can win weekly and season-long prizes. For information, visit vikings.com slash pass or play. And speaking of being uh, young guys and, and having to be ready to play, oh boy, it's time to play the Packers. With all that's happening, coming off a rough loss, coming off a bye week, we are walking into Lambeau Field. All time, Packers lead this series 63-54 to with three ties. Um, the Vikings are unfortunately 2-7-2 and two since 2010. That's insane. We've had two ties since – what a weird statistic. Uh, the last Vikings win was a 16-0 victory on the 23rd of, this, of December back in 2017. Uh, insanely cold day, and Brett Hundley played that game. Uh, Green Bay is currently 5-1, and one, and despite that little slip-up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they look every bit a Super Bowl contender, Chris. They absolutely do, and I think the main reason for that is Devontae Adams and, and the Aaron Rodgers connection that they have. I mean, he was a huge problem for the Vikings defensive backs earlier on in the season, week one, and I think that's going to be the matchup to watch in this game. I think you have to find a way, whether it's Zimmer scheming, whether it's a, a zone coverage, double coverage, whatever it is, take away the best option for Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Jones is most likely, I mean, looking at this injury report, he's he's he was out last week and he's most likely, I mean, he didn't practice on Wednesday. So stop Devontae Adams. That's what I want to see. He's absolutely been a killer uh, against this team. But going back to week one, Jay, I would say first and foremost, you're going to have to stop the the rush game to the outside. That's where we got ourselves in a lot of trouble. Cornerbacks started getting their heads turned around. Uh, you know, the ball was coming out to the edges, and it was difficult to stop. And from there, uh, we were just in a bad situation. 
I think the thing that's always hard when you play Green Bay is the formula for beating Green Bay is you have to get to Aaron Rodgers, right? Like you have to get in his face and you have to make him uncomfortable. But if they get the running game going and they're able to get to the edges and do that kind of stuff, now you're having to sit back and anticipate they're going to be running. And if that's the case and you're not able to get your pass rush going, Aaron Rodgers, when he gets the chance, is then going to turn around and pick you apart. So it's, it's it very much was trial by fire. You had rookie guys playing out on those corners. Again, you've got you know six games under the belt at this point. So hopefully, scheming-wise, they're able to recognize their keys a little bit quicker and and help with that so that they can try to get more pressure in the backfield. But you're right. You know, if they get the running game going and Aaron has all the time in the world, that's that's what happened week one. And you do not want to see a repeat performance of that this week. The other thing that happened week one was turnovers. And the Packers offense is capitalizing on their opportunities just from a normal standpoint. I mean, eighth in total offense, uh, second in points per game. You know, they they look fantastic on that side of the ball with the exception of Tampa Bay. So, Gabe, you just – you cannot give them – especially with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, you cannot give them any extra opportunities. Time for possession is key. The offense has to get the run game going. Dalvin Cook is back this week. We we hope he's a 1,000%, but to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, run the ball effectively. You can't be on the field 18 minutes and 44 seconds, and a lot of that time in week one was garbage time in the fourth quarter. So in order to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, play honest defense, get Dalvin Cook the ball, and just have fun. Like, have fun. We know we're one in five, but it's a week-to-week job at this point. Just have fun with it and just enjoy the experience. Well, you know, and I would lean on, you know, time of possession is obviously very important. It's important in every football game. But I think specifically you can't put the ball on the ground, Chris, and you can't throw the ball into the other team's hands. You know, especially on your side of the field. That's That's happened too many times this season. That happened in that game. With the with the Packers red zone efficiency, which is bonkers right now, you absolutely cannot give them extra opportunities via a turnover, and you can't do it on your side of the football field. Yeah, I'm looking for a big-time improvement from the Vikings offense as a whole, and I think that starts with getting Dalvin Cook back. Uh, we want to see an improvement from Kirk Cousins, obviously, after that game. Man, that was... <laughs> probably his worst performance as a Viking against the Atlanta Falcons. So I think it all starts with Dalvin Cook. Uh, we, we've seen Kirk have some pretty nice games in Lambeau in the past. I, I can remember a comeback game. I think it was his first game in Lambeau Field where he threw some of the best passes that I've seen him throw um, to Adam Thielen in that game. So um, I see a big-time comeback for the Vikings offense just for pride. Like you heard Dalvin Cook say it in his press conference today. He's like, we just want to go out there and have fun, man. This is Vikings Packers. Like, you have so many players on this Vikings offense. I know the defense is kind of banged up, but I see the Vikings offense. I really do. I'm positive about what's going to happen for them in this game. Jay, and, you know, without Ngakwe and Hunter out there, you know, the the run game is a conversation, but the pressure on Aaron Rodgers is is a big part of that, too. Where is your pressure going to come from? Because that is the one thing we've seen so far this season. If you can get pressure on Rodgers, he will make mistakes. And more importantly, it seems like he's still the sort of guy that if you can get pressure on him early and force him into an early mistake, you might see him avalanche, if you will. That, that's what seemed to happen in the Tampa Bay 
uh, Buccaneers game was that early pressure, and it was all downhill from there. So these, th- this defensive line and, and possibly some, some blitz concepts need to get after him early and often. And I think for them, you know, they know that too, right? I mean, that Tampa game, he was getting hit early, and then he threw that pick. And then they just, like you said, they snowballed. So on our end, basically what they wanted to, what they're going to want to do, at least against our guys, is what similar to what they did in week one, whether it's the running game. But I think it's going to be get the ball out of his hands real quick and try to hit those short intermediate passes. Or if they're playing against the zone, they're going to turn around and just try to hit spots in order to see if the the secondary can recognize what their coverages are better than they did week one. So yeah, if you can't get to Rodgers, he's going to make you pay all day long. And that's no easy task because Aaron Rodgers is getting the ball out of his hands in less than two seconds. In comparison, Kirk Cousins is getting the ball out of his hands in 2.6 and he's doing a play action pass. So like the Vikings corners have to step up this week in order for this defense to get pressures, in order for them to get Aaron Rodgers to feel uncomfortable like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, they have to play some type of press man this week. You know, high risk, high reward type of thing, right? You got Devontae Adams, you really don't want to press him. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it. You know, they have some young guys in their secondary. So I think if, if you if you put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands three three seconds, I think that's going to give your Fadio Denebos enough time to, to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I think that kind of supports what we were saying originally there with, you know, if he's getting the ball out that quick, it's by design. You know, and uh, if we make him hold on to the ball, if you can cover a little bit and you can get to him, that might be the reason a guy that's that good has a little bit of a rough day. So, I I mean, to me, that statistic presents an opportunity. If if you can make him work, if you can make them work to get the ball out and and sit him back there and get some pressure on him, it might be a really, uh, really good thing. Corso, the other thing that the Packers have been – shockingly good at this year is uh, throwing it to tight ends in the red zone. Uh, Robert Tanyan, he had three touchdowns in the Atlanta game, but he's got five on the year. And they're two, Sternberger and Lewis each have a touchdown. They have been, you know, they, they, you're worried about uh, Devontae Adams as you should be, but they go up and down the field with those guys. And then they are really, really lethal with their tight ends when they get inside the 20. Yeah, Tanyan has come kind of come out of nowhere for them. Uh, 230 yards on, on the year and, and 18 receptions. You mentioned the five touchdowns. I think in the red zone is where he really makes his impact. Um, that will be something for Vikings linebackers to definitely pay attention to um, when Aaron Rodgers will certainly probably be in the in the red zone at some point in this game. But I think that's what's taking Aaron Rodgers to the next level because last year – That was the thing that hurt the Packers in the big game against the 49ers. They didn't have that second, third, fourth wide receiver other than having Devontae Adams, and they play a good defense in the 49ers, and and they can't put up any points. This year, Rodgers has been as good as anybody because of that reason. I mean, he has all of these other options. Um, Valdez Scantling has the other wide receiver but more importantly like you said he's able to to kind of use these bigger body tight ends in the red zone that's a good reason why Aaron Rodgers has really taken the next step this year and and that's why they're five and one right now because this offense is it's multi-dimensional they have these other type of wide receivers in tight ends that are able to really take advantage in the red zone you know, and flipping from their offense to our offense, I know, and this is something that bit me 
last week when or, or last game two weeks ago when we were talking about the Falcons I said you know this this might be a team that you should get up and fling the ball up and down the field against because they can't stop the pass and I know I'm smart enough to understand things need to start with with Dalvin Cook and the running game, but this is another defense that is really susceptible in the passing game. 335.8 yards passing a game. Now, they're, they're also giving up 110 yards on the ground. It's a defense that's susceptible all over the place, but I feel the same way I felt going into the Falcons game that, yes, let's establish the run. Yes, let's get things going, but this feels like a game that the Vikings – shouldn't necessarily be shooting for 24 points for this 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 with the caliber of this offense with the emergence of Justin Jefferson with Irv Smith showing up you know yes would I love to win this football game 17 to 10 and be thrilled if that happens 100% do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to put up more points than that absolutely and do I think our offense is capable of wheeling and dealing and running up and down the field with the Green Bay Packers, despite what happened in the Falcons game, I still maintain that confidence, Jay. I still think there is a, a susceptible nature to this Packers defense that even though we do want to establish the run game, we can take advantage of it in a bit of a dynamic way as opposed to just a ground and pound sort of way. And that's the thing. I don't think the ground and pound side is going to work that well because of what they've done on their defensive line. They've they've definitely defensively shored up a lot of the deficiencies they've had over the last two, three years. The thing for me, I look at this game and I say, utilize the similar formula like you did with Seattle and control the clock, run the ball, hit those receivers and went, and make them pay on the deep shots when they're sitting there trying to look at a guy like a Delvin. So like if for me in this game, you have to do that because you, we were just talking about it. You don't want to get into a shootout here with Aaron Rodgers, and you're not going to win with 10, 15 points. That's just not realistic in my opinion. So in order to do that, you have to control the clock. You have to make the most of your opportunities and you got to punch in touchdowns. Field goals are not going to get it done. Just similar to Seattle, you you got to score, when, especially when you get into the red zone. So keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, try to control the clock, and don't have those periods of lapses that, that cause you to lose the game. Hopefully with the Packers here, they can clean up some of those issues they had with Seattle and really you know rise to the occasion in this one. Join me, Paul Allen, along with former Vikings linebacker and current radio analyst Ben Lieber after every Vikings game as we host Between the Lines. Analyze the game, break it down from all angles, and discuss what it means for your favorite team moving forward. Watch each week via Vikings.com, the Vikings app, YouTube, and all of the team's other digital and social platforms. For information, visit Vikings.com slash Between the Lines. Uh, I want to, before we get your final thoughts on the game, I, I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the league. But first, it is game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. Uh, boys, I have in front of me the latest power rankings because Jay keeps putting them in the document and I have the standings in front of me. So I'm going to, I want to go quick answers here. I want to rip around, rip around the horn, if you will, um, and, and get thoughts from each of you. Uh, Chris Corso, the Arizona Cardinals, despite that fantastic win on Sunday night football are still 
number 11 behind the New Orleans Saints, behind the Los Angeles Rams. Is that a fair ranking for them? Or did, uh, did you like what you saw enough on Sunday Night Football to feel like they deserve a little more credit here? I mean, that's a big win, beating an undefeated team that <laughs> we were one play away from beating as well. But I like what I see from the Arizona Cardinals offense. I really do. I think Kyler Murray is a future superstar in this league. And I, obviously they have DeAndre Hopkins and a lot of weapons on that team. I'd watch out if I'm the Seattle Seahawks and a bunch of the, the teams in the NFC West there because I think they can creep into the top 10 for sure. Jay, the Detroit Lions are at 21. They're 3-3. Three and three. They've reeled off a couple of wins. They're the team that I have pegged to possibly make a jump over the next few weeks. They just signed Everson Griffin, which makes that uh, matchup in a couple weeks really interesting. Uh, are the Detroit Lions trending up or trending down? I think they're trending up. I think a lot of that has to do with they have their veterans that are keeping them in games. They took advantage of the the mistake uh, last week, and they were able to to capitalize and and you know beat that Atlanta team there at the horn, literally at zeros. I think the Detroit Lions once everyone's always said if the young guys can step up and they can finally put it together, having a leader like Matt Stafford is going to help. I think having guys like Adrian and Everson Griffin around them, they're only going to help in that locker room. Gabe, uh, being an being an NFC East uh, aficionado of the past. All four NFC East teams are ranked lower than 22. The Eagles at 22, the Washington football team at 28, the Giants at 29, and the Cowboys at 30. Which of these teams is going to rise from the ashes? And are we talking about a 6-10 and 10 or 5-11-1 division champion here? I think we started this podcast out in this offseason basically saying that who the winner of the NFC East will win seven games max. To win that league, to win that conference, you have to win at least seven games. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles will be, will be the first team to do so because Washington just lost their star safety. The Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys. And then the Giants are the Giants. So it's Philadelphia's team. It's Philadelphia's conference to lose. It's not a good. It's not a good place when all you can do to summarize what's happening with a team is say the name of the team. Dude, they need to just like get rid of that division this year and then just promote somebody else from another division and just say, "Hey, look, the NFC West. You can have three teams, four teams from that conference." Why don't that we can- slide a couple teams from the West over there? Just even think <laughs> yeah. that's like if we jump over to the the standings. That's. You know, the, the, the 49ers, who have had a really rough start, it feels like, are still 4-3, and three, and they're at the yeah. bottom of that division. Yeah. That division is so fun and so enjoyable every week. And that game was amazing. And, and as a Viking fan, I have a long history of not liking the Seattle Seahawks. But, man, I've really come around on Pete Carroll, and I've really come around on Russell Wilson. And if we get any – if we even get half of what we got on Sunday Night Football as these teams run into one another the rest of the year, Chris, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, when I saw Russell Wilson do the Mr. Unlimited video in the offseason, I I absolutely hated it. But now, like, I want Kirk to, like, do corny stuff like that and just, like, own it. Because that's what Russell Wilson is doing, and it's working because, God, he's been unbelievable. But that's what I see from Seattle. Owning the the corniness of Russell Wilson and him just being very good at playing quarterback. Unlimited. 
the uh, the Buccaneers here, are, you know, one of the most fun talking points of the offseason was who's going to win the Brady-Belichick divorce. And early on, as Cam was playing out of his mind, everybody's like, well, it's the old man. He's the genius. And now we sit, Cam is struggling. I personally think it's not the easiest thing in the world to come back from a COVID break with no practices and go out there and win football games. But he's struggling. The Patriots are struggling. Tampa Bay looks all sorts of bonkers good. And oh, by the way, regardless of what you think about his past and regardless of what you think about his situation, they added a guy who has a potential to be the best wide receiver in all of football. People forget because of what Antonio Brown has gone through and the storylines that have followed him. We forget sometimes that going into that last year in Pittsburgh, he wasn't just considered one of the best wide receivers in football. This was a guy who was dominating professional football. And now a very good Buccaneers team just dumped him into the mix. And that's the thing, I think, when you see superstars like Tom Brady who have that pedigree of winning and you have a, a solid team like Tampa already was, their biggest issue that they had was Jameis you know, throwing double-digit interceptions, equal touchdowns to interceptions last season, and they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. They had a solid defense. They added guys like Antoine Winfield Jr. in the draft, and that defense has been lethal, but you've seen Brady now being able to hit touchdown after touchdown and the weapons having a guy like Antonio walk in the door. It's like, Hey, great. You've got your chocolate Sunday. Here comes the cherry on top. If this guy actually suits up, keeps his nose clean and produces for that team. Uh, he is, he is a guy that definitely pushes them potentially over the top in this division. And it turns into a uh, pick your poison. If they have that many good players on that offense to go with a Tom Brady. And Oh, by the way, Gronk woke up the last two weeks. Like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now are absolutely on fire halfway through the season. As long as they can stay injury-free, they're definitely going to be in charge coming down to playoffs in week one. An ice cream reference from Jay Nelson. Last one goes to Gabe Henderson. Gabe, is there any chance the New York Jets win a single football game this entire year? There is not a single chance that the Jets win a football game this entire year. No, I, I can't see who are they going to be in their conference. The Dolphins are good now in the AFC East. The Patriots, they don't lose to the Jets. I, no, I can't. I can't see it happening. But if sport- now, now I will say, you know, every the interesting thing that's happening down in in Miami, you know, with. Ryan Fitzpatrick being benched for Tua, well, maybe replaced, benched isn't probably the right word, but everybody's, and I, I was a big Tua fan coming out. I, I, I would have loved, you know, I think you should have been excited if your team would have drafted Tua, but we're acting like that is a no-brainer personnel move. We're acting like that he's going to be able to keep pace with the same sort of skills and abilities of a Ryan Fitzpatrick who think what you want about him, call him a journeyman, call him this, call him that. He goes out, he wins football games, and he throws for a ton of yards. And he has the ability to beat anyone in the NFL at any point in time. He did it in Tampa Bay. He did it. He's, he's done it here in Miami. It's just what he does. He has the ability uh, to do that. So you still have one game against uh, that Dolphins team this year. And – 
you know, you also have the Chargers who have a rookie quarterback. You have the Raiders who have been better, but they're still three and three. You know, there's a couple opportunities here for this team to get a win. But, yeah, I'm with you. Probably, probably not an awesome chance. I think if sports plays its way out in the NFL the way it did in the MLB, it'll be a uh, L.A. Chargers. Well, MLB and NBA, it'll be L.A. Chargers for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Seems like L.A. versus Florida teams now, so we'll see. All right, well, let's move off of that, and let's move on to a more somber note. Unfortunately, one of the 50 greatest Vikings and a Viking Ring of Honor member, Matt Blair, passed away over the weekend at the age of 70. Uh, he was a second-round draft pick out of Iowa State, six-time Pro Bowler, played in two Super Bowls, all 12 seasons for the Vikings from 74 to 85, uh, career amassed 1,452 tackles, which is still second all-time. Incredible player on the field. Wonderful man off the field. Vikings owner Mark Wolf said in a statement, Matt Blair was a great presence at Viking events and a tremendous teammate long after playing. He embodied the best of what it means to be a Viking. Matt is a ring of honor player whose legacy will live on forever with the franchise and in the community he loved and uh jay i know you kind of had a a fun memory uh, about matt yeah one of the things that was always great about matt is anytime you saw him he always had a giant smile on his face but one of the legacies he had with this organization was the fact that he loved photography and if you talk to other players when they would talk about matt and what they remember they remember him always walking around the locker room in the facility snapping photos at everything and i would see him come into events at winter park and different viking events in general and he would have a dslr or something around his neck and he was constantly taking photos and it was just a passion that he had and one of the cool things that we found out was a lot of the great photos we have in our photo archives from back when matt played through the 70s and, and, and into the 80s actually came from Matt that he like donated a bunch of his photos to our, our organization as part of that to kind of archive what his experience was like as a player and some of the most awesome candid shots from training camp in the locker room etc all that stuff came from Matt so it was a huge huge blow and, and the hard part was as you know Scott Studwell said he's been suffering for a while so I guess maybe it's a blessing in disguise but it's still too young and it's a sad day and I think that's the best way that you can sum this whole thing up was he was a, a vibrant guy who everybody in the organization loved and you love being around him and it, it's really is too sad and, and, and too bad for his family and and hopefully for them they understand just how much he meant to this organization he was a great player an incredible human being and he will obviously be missed by everyone uh let's wrap things up here guys a few other things to check out on vikings.com uh and all your viking social and your viking apps uh, this week's episode of skull stories mark rosen and pete versich catch up with hall of fame quarterback fran tarkington who is always an incredible interview and in this case uh i couldn't emphasize that more because they talked sid hartman uh he told a great story about sid interviewing him on the airport tarmac immediately after they arrived from the nfl draft and a number of other great ones. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. on KFAN, or download the podcast version uh, from your favorite podcast apps and, and give it a listen there. Uh, tune in to Vikings Postgame Live every week, one hour after each game from inside 
U.S. Bank Stadium. Get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. Tune in on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, and Vikings social media channels. They've been doing a great job with that show. Bursich, Lieber, Rosen. They got the, the pressers in there. You know, uh, the, the spray charts for the quarterbacks, next-gen stats. It's really been a great show. So, please, uh, if you're a diehard and, and you're looking for something to follow the games with, that is a no-brainer. And finally, check out Vikings Vantage this Friday following the Gophers football game on KFAN 100.3. Our boys, Chris Corso and Gabe Henderson, this week have special guest Paul Allen helping them talk through everything 2020. They'll get you caught up on all the latest details and everything you need to know right up to kickoff against Green Bay. Check it out live on KFAN or, as mentioned previous, with the other things, download it on your favorite podcast app uh boys we are starting the post buy session of our 2020 season one in five happened but one in five is also over there are 10 more games to go you start at zero and you see how many games you can win and we start with a really difficult one aaron Rodgers, green bay packers lambeau field luckily no fans is there fans do they have a partial fans i don't think they're having fans there are they jay no, they announced uh, at the beginning of the season that they were not all season long. And to be honest with you, Green Bay is one of the the biggest COVID outbreaks right now. So I don't think they're going to try and have anything happen here for the next couple months. All right, Chris, uh, give me your give me your one thing you're looking for this weekend. One thing I'm looking for. We've mentioned it. Let's get the running game going early so Kirk can throw the ball down the field and attack this team that clearly has a pretty large injury report this week. A lot of defensive players on that injury report. So let's get the offense going. Dalvin's back. Let's do it. Gabe Henderson. I'm looking for a Fadio Denobo to step up this week with Unique Ngakwe traded. I talked to him earlier this week, and he basically said he feels the pressure and he's willing to prove everybody wrong. So it's going to be exciting to see what he can do against Aaron Rodgers. Jay Nelson. The way that you do this is you get in Aaron's face and you make him uncomfortable. Do it early. Get him rattled. Get to the quarterback and... I think the way to do it, like you guys said earlier, you're going to have to play some man coverage with those corners. So hopefully those rookies have stepped up here since they did from week one. And I'm looking for the moment when we keep talking about these young guys and Justin Jefferson has had his breakout moment. I'm looking for the next one. I'm looking for the next breakout moment for one of these young guys. The young corners have played well. Wanham has played well. Ezra Cleveland is starting to get a chance to be on the field, but I'm, I'm curious to see if and when another one of these guys is going to pop in the same way where we're like, oh boy, you remember when Brian O'Neill came on the field and after a few weeks we were like, whoa, we got a stud here. Are we going to see that from Ezra Cleveland? Are we going to see that from DJ Wanham? Are we going to see that from one? Are we going to turn around and go, oh boy, all of a sudden Gladney's a beast. So I'm just waiting for one of those guys to pop in that way. And what better team to do it against than the Green Bay Packers. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you all next week.